Welcome to the TuckCast with a splash of bourbon, where we talk about fishing and life. Presented by Tuckaseegee Fly Shop with three locations in Waynesville, Silva, and Bryson City. And if you can't make it there or need something fast, be sure to visit flyshopusa.com. If you're looking to experience Western North Carolina waters with or without a guide, visit tuckflyshop.com or one of our locations for more information on booking, the waters we fish, and current conditions. All right, everybody. Welcome back. What's up? What up? I will say, flyshopusa.com, it's been busy lately. Yeah. It has. We it has. we got a lot of new stuff in there. We're a quarter of the way into 2024, so. That's hard to believe. It's, yeah, it's going quick. Um, we're, it's The web store's loaded up, y'all. So, if you can't make it to the shop, one of the shops here soon or need some gear, make sure you check that out. So, and we'll get it to you as fast as we can. So, today, we have joining us, myself and Bobby. And then, uh, we got Justin here. And head guide, Matt Reinhardt. So, did I say that right? Do, I not get Do you title? pronounce the D? No. It's like a... Uh, Ron Hooter. Ron Hooter. Um, I think it's more of like the German, like the original German spelling, except we reversed the I and the E. So you don't say Reinhardt? It's no. Reinhardt? It's just Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. Why well, isn't yours spelled with an H at the beginning, like R-H-I? So the original German spelling was R-E-I-N-H-A-R-D-T or just T. And um, when they came over and Americanized the spelling of that name, a lot of people added air the quotes. H. Yeah, can't air see quotes, that. Americanized. <laughs> um, they added the H at the front, front, mm. and um, I guess my family just kept the or more true to German spelling. It's interesting how that happened. You know, my wife's family came through Ellis Island. We're getting way off topic here, but so her her last name is Perciacanto with yeah. an O at the end. The original spelling is Perciaconti with an E at the end. Yep. And when they came through Ellis Island, it was two brothers, and they spelled one right and spelled one wrong. Kara's is spelled wrong. And uh, so she's got family with technically a different last name. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So I've got, you know, we, we all had to do those school Justin's projects. our Waynesville manager, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's Vegas. Wayne's Vegas, baby. Old P-Lot. I was say, I'm pilot. I had a- Anyways. Good no, we, you know, you in school you had to do your name, like you had to research it and stuff. Yeah. Like I've still got like distant, distant relatives in Germany, which was pretty cool. Y'all know where y'all's names from? I got relatives in the Middle East. <laughs> where's Pilot from? Like, what's that originate from? Pontius. From Pontius Pilot. Pontius Pilot. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> what is the origin of your name? Czechoslovakia. Is it really? Czechoslovakia. Pilot is. Hmm. Yeah, it was. A, it was originally spelled P Y L A T T, with two T's. Yeah. Pilot. 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 Now then, it's Pilot. Then it was P I L A T E. Pilate. Don't church yeah. it up, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's dirty. And then, I can trace my people back to the Tigers and Euphrates. The Collins. That's where we're all from. Yeah. That was the Garden of Eden. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Pontius Pilate. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess that's where the – if you want to go to the very beginning. But was that an O or an A? A, P-I-L-A-T. Pontius Pilate is yeah. P-I-L-A-T. Read the Bible. <laughs> Clearly, read the Bible, I don't Dad. read it enough. I'm convicted. Yeah. Oh, Thanks, Jesus. <clears throat> so, fishing report. Fishing report. Yeah. We really – 
got off topic. Had a little history lesson here. That's right, man. Check yourself. So getting ready to roll into uh, stocking season. Everybody, everybody's getting ready to get fired up. Yeah, delayed harvest. Um, you know they stock uh, the Tuckasegee in Jackson County March first and eighth, and March eighth. What about for Swain? What you got? Uh, it's up there on the chalkboard. You can see it. Uh, March sixth. March sixth. So, and don't forget. And Haywood's the fourth. Justin put his binoculars on to see it. Don't forget, guys, in the month of March, hatchery supported waters do close down. So if it's the green and white diamond, don't fish it till April, till the first Saturday in April. So if the first Saturday in April is the 6th or 7th, that means it's closed the 1st through the 5th. So make sure you pay attention to those regs there. We don't want anybody getting any tickets. Um, But, you know, folks, this is the time of year where you catch these days right. Um, you can find some amazing topwater fishing on blue lines, uh, national park streams, national forest streams. Uh, it's a lot of fun to come down on the Tuckasegee um, and, uh, you know, catch catch fish any way you want. You want to fish some dry flies, you can do it. If you want to fish streamers or nymphs, obviously that's going to be pretty successful too. So make sure to get out there. That's what I'm excited can't about. catch them from the couch. Facts. That's what I'm excited about. Like, the park is, like, on the verge. It's yeah. getting ready just to kick off, and <clears throat> I'm really excited about that. Yeah, what's, I'm, what's your I'm favorite park fly? Duracell. Mm. Pilot Park Special. Duracell. Pilot, no, Pilot Park Special. What about you, Bobby? You know what it is. With yeah. a purple haze dry fly on top. All right. Reinhardt? Mm. We sell a little micro chubby uh tan body we got them an olive body this year too which i'm pretty excited about mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i have probably caught more park fish on that singular fly than any other fly we sell parachute hairs here baby that's all you need i i'm I've with, never caught a fish on one i'm with bobby on that i got one on my hat right now parachute hairs here <clears throat> that fly that fly is it's durable number one because it's going to catch fish <laughs> yeah so i love that fly it's, it's funny, man. I, you, you Tied go with through, red thread. Sorry. You go through <laughs> different points in your, like, fly fishing career, I guess, and you gravitate towards one fly or the other more, you know, mm-hmm. and seasons dictate what you throw. But, man, there's just some stuff you can just throw year-round, and it's just going to work. Yep. I love Mop finding fly. those. Mop flies. Squirmy worm. Yeah. I have, like – Eight, seven or eight patterns. It's like three or four nymph patterns and three or four dry fly patterns. And that's basically all I throw. If you look at my park box, it's yeah. like a umpqua bug locker. You know, it's sectioned off into like eight or ten sections. Yeah. I've got four sections for dries and four sections for nymphs, and that's my park box. Like, Mine's a tuck fly shot puck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Or the fit. No, I, I got fancy. I bought the fish pond pucks. Yeah. Did you get the magnet one? Not yet. Well, hey, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and jump into the main event, Redfish. Bobby, I really want folks to know that if you are coming to visit the waters of Western North Carolina, don't wait another minute to book your next guided fly fishing adventure at tuckflyshop.com. Did you know you can visit tuckflyshop.com and book with convenience online anytime? We have guys that are professional, courteous, and knowledgeable, and sure to make that experience one to remember. TuckFlyShop.com for your next adventure. 
guide calendar's filling up. So yes, still got some time to book those trips. Give us a call or uh, check the website, tuckflyshop.com. So um, get it while the getting's good, y'all. It's really good right now. So, um, you know, we, we sort of the last few episodes have been talking about, not sort of, we have been talking about uh, travel, you know, our destination stuff. Uh, we spent 2023 growing this. Uh, myself, Bobby, uh, went to Argentina and Slovenia. Um, Matt and Justin scoped out redfish in Wyoming. So we've added those. Redfish in Wyoming? Not redfish in Wyoming. <laughs> redfish and it Wyoming. Sounded, it sounded like that. <laughs> it's like oceanfront property in Arizona. I tell you what, if we can catch redfish in Wyoming, something really bad's happened. Bad. You bad. can. You can catch their cousin, a carp. There you go. He'll be there. Um, so, um, so you you guys, um, we, we all put that together, and we've set up hosted trips uh, to these destinations. Justin, you're hosting Wyoming. What are those dates? September 8th through the 14th, 2024. Awesome. And um, we, we are putting together redfish dates. Um, when are we thinking that's going to happen? So... We've kind of teetered back and forth on our timing. Um, so, ultimately, we're going to look and try to catch a good flood tide, maybe late fall, early winter kind of time frame because, obviously, you're down on the coast. So, your weather's a lot more mild. It's a lot more tolerable. And um, so, we're going to be looking at some fall, early winter dates for yeah. redfish this year. Yeah, I don't think I want to be redfishing in July. No, mm. no it's so tough. in the it's, low country. I mean, around Charleston, right? Yeah, in and around Charleston. It's swampy. You better take a roll of paper towels with you. <laughs> Wipe that sweat, man. It's, yeah. Just go ahead and stuff that butt crack full of paper. <laughs> you might as well just sit on that roll like you sweat. Yeah. You get out of the shower and you're sweating again. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, humid. South but Carolina, at the coast in South Carolina and Georgia, it's a four shower a day state. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. You gotta hit that. Wake up, take a breakfast, shower. <laughs> take a lunch, shower. It is. And it's hot. Afternoon walk, shower. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, not during hot, hot times. No. I mean, the fish can be caught year round down there. I think that's what the beauty of the South Carolina coast mm-hmm. is. You know, you just have you have more tolerable times than others. Yeah. Um so you know, Justin and I, for the past three years, we have traveled around and just kind of kicked around and, and fished together. And um, one of the first trips he and I took together were was to Charleston to do redfish on a fly, uh-huh. specifically tailing redfish in the grass and flood tides. So he and I went in May a few years ago, and uh, it was it was warm in May, but it wasn't unbearable. I got though, cooked right? though that trip. You did. You got sunburnt like a mug. Yeah, my Northern Irish complexion it did not do well. Yeah, he got he got <laughs> roasted. I wore long sleeves and uh, and wore sunscreen, long pants and sunscreen. <laughs> and, and he come out of there and he had the net of his hat sunburned. Oh on yeah, his head and, been there. And he had the tops of his feet were cooked from his <laughs> chacos. So I mean, it was it was it was a it was a warm trip. I, I've been down in Charleston in March. Or that sweat. Cooper River Bridge run, and it been miserable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it it can get hot down there. So we're being real selective on when we pick this date. So we the, we want you to feel good while you're out there. I mean, it was hot. I mean, but I mean, I could have got sunburnt like that here 
Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like on the boat or something here. Yeah. So I just want to preface that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the sun's bad. Where there's nowhere to hide. July yeah. and August down there is kind of like a no go for me, <laughs> personally. Yeah. Um, well, the fishing's not that great either. You don't no. really. Yeah, you don't get good floods. That's just hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, just like um, fishing here. That's that's how it gets flooded. The hurricanes <laughs> roll through. <laughs> but you catch fish on Main Street. Storm surge fills them with flood tides. Well, we went so. down in October last year, and there would have been a hurricane roll through, and uh, we. Well, the we day before fishing. we got yeah, there. Yeah, the day before. Well, that's we got the thing. There. Hurricane season doesn't technically end until November. early November. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is a consideration you have yeah. to have. But um, I like October better than May. October or fall better than spring. Personally. Yeah, October was a lot more. I, I think we've had the most shots at fish in October down there. Um, I went this year by myself last week of October mm-hmm. and had a phenomenal time. Yeah, Not the biggest one on the fly so far. Um, yeah. So, you know, Charleston is a very unique place. Um, it's the only place on the East Coast that you can really specifically target tailing reds. Um, you know, Louisiana is known for its bull reds, and even the coast of North Carolina is known for bull reds. But a lot of times what they do is they get out on the banks or they'll get in those river mouths, and they lay deep. And mm-hmm. um, you're fishing for what they call floaters. If you hear us say floaters um, – it's just these redfish will get up on these edges, and they're about two feet subsurface, and it'll just look like a big pumpkin in the water, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just laying there. Um, in Charleston, they, they get up in these grass flats, and they start feeding on the crabs mm-hmm. in the grass. And, that, I mean, we've seen them in six inches of water. Mm. And we call them tailing reds. <clears throat> so it's you're in the grass poling around on a skiff, and, you know, you're just scanning, and all of a sudden you'll see a tail pop up out of the water, and it's like that bluish-orange tail. Mm-hmm. And um, and your guide's like, hey, uh, 200 feet, 11 o'clock, and he'll spin the boat and start going at him. And you're throwing primarily seven and eight weights, mm-hmm. and uh, you're just trying. I mean, it's humbling. The first yeah. time I ever went, I was humbled in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, I thought I could cast a fly rod. And, um, you know, you got to. 20 knot crosswind and you know you're looking at a 60 foot shot at a tail and red and you've got to hit a frisbee at 60 feet and that kind of crosswind and you're not being a you can't false cast you false cast too much and they're gone mm-hmm. yeah and uh so our guy down there the main guy we work with bryant wilson his uh is his name he's uh runs slackwater expeditions down there Runs a uh, 18-foot Floyd skiff. Um, fantastic setup and probably the best saltwater guide I've ever been on a boat with. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he knows his stuff. He's got a group of buddies around him that really know their stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, Bryant is very passionate about redfish in Charleston. And he is a South Carolina native. Um has spent a lot of time on those waters. Like, he'll take us back through there, and it's just weaving back and forth through creeks and cuts, and I have no clue where we're at. And he's just like, oh, yeah, go around this next corner. There's going to be a tree down in the water, and, and we're yep. going to go right over that. And, yep. and he's just he's spot on with his fish and his fish knowledge and knowing where they're at and how to target them. And uh, it's unlike anything I've ever done. It's it's addicting. Yeah. It's very addicting. What's, what's – uh What's his temperament on the boat? Because, you know, it, Bobby and I's experience with saltwater guides, 
it, it's feast or famine. They're either going to yell at you or they're going to be really nice to you. There's not really a lot of middle ground. What's what's his, you know, if you mess up, what's he going to do? He's going to get on you. Yeah. He's going to let you know. Yeah. If you blow a shot, he's going to let you know you blew a shot. But he's going to yell at you, cuss you? No. No. No, he's never yelled or now, cussed at me. Now he's he got might on me. doing it with us now that he knows us. Yeah. yeah. But like a new person. Because it's like, I'm laying down Just, the jack for a saltwater trip. Yeah. I don't want to be cussed. I've been so. cussed on a boat by a very well-known guy in the saltwater industry, and it's a totally different experience. Yeah, Bryant. Bryant is very good at instructing, yes. which you don't always get with saltwater yeah. guides. They just put you on the boat, and their job's to pull you into fish, and it's up to you to figure out how to catch them. Mm-hmm. Um, he coached me through a lot of my casting stroke, you know, just getting a big rod to do what I want it to do in the yeah. wind. And um, he he really focuses on a single pickup, mm-hmm. a single pickup and a double haul, mm-hmm. and then making your shot, Yeah, um, which has helped me personally be a better angler locally um you know but he uh I, I remember the first time we ever got on the boat with brian um we um <laughs> we were pulling through a little creek on low tide and justin was casting and the grass was like four foot over our heads where it's low low tide and justin hooked brian like three times in a row just like boom 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 Mushed up. nothing else i can do yeah and i can't <clears throat> He couldn't sidearm cast. He was having to cast straight over his head, and he hit Bryant in the back. With was the it because he was sunburnt? No. <laughs> no. And, uh, he hadn't had, he hadn't been on the boat long enough to be sunburnt at that point. I've been on the boat like an hour. I'm sure I was already burnt and just didn't know it yet, but. <clears throat> that was that was like our introduction to, I mean, it was, I, we haven't been down there and it not blow wind on us all yeah. the whole time. This is, I mean, because I've been there a few times before, like, you and I started going. And it's all the same type of thing. Yeah. Wind. I mean, that's just saltwater fishing, I feel like. You're going to fight wind. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's um, it's a humbling experience. It's it's extremely fun. If you love to sight fish, this is like sight yep. fishing at its purest. Yep. I tell everybody, if I couldn't trout fish, I'd redfish the rest of my life. Yeah. I love it. I, I'm not any good at it, but I love it. Well, you don't get to do it much. Right. You know, it's something if I could do it once, even if I did it once a month, I would yeah. be a lot better at it than what I am. It's just a totally, I tell everybody, like, the difference between saltwater fly fishing and freshwater fly fishing, it's just <coughs> totally different. You know, you you know, growing up on trout, I grew up fly fishing, you know, around here, they tell you, you know, tuck that elbow and just, you know, use, like, your forearm and wrist and stuff to cast and, down there, you got you got to use your whole arm. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to really get that uh, rip it, get that rod going, get that line speed up. If not, you're not going to make that cast. Yeah, it's so it's a lot different. I mean, it's um, like you said, it's a great change of pace. It is. That's what right? I really like about it. And you know, if you try to trout set one of those redfish, you're you're gonna miss him. Yep. And that's like the first six fish I saw and had to eat. I missed them because yeah. I trout set them, you know. Yeah, it's hard to get out of that muscle memory yeah. when you hook a fish. Yep. Especially if that's all you've done your whole life, even bass or trout, you know. And then you go to something like that where it's like, oh, I can't lift the rod when they eat. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a different it's a different altogether. I mean, but it's still a fly rod in your hand. So yeah. It's. And you have so much diversity down there. Like, if you want to go out and do a full-day trip, obviously you're limited by your tides as to what you can do. 
And a flood down there, I believe, is anything over five and a half feet. Ain't that right, Justin? Yeah, it's either five and a half or six and a half. Yeah, it's one of those. And I, I think the biggest tide I've been on was like 7.2. And um, But what they're looking for is those floods to push those fish up in the grass. And But, you know, you only have that high and that flood for X amount of time. Yeah. Because that water is going to push you in. You're going to come in with the water. You're going to fish it dead high. And then it's going to start falling out. And, you know, with flood tides that drastic, you, they, they change rapidly. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to do a full day trip, which is what we would be offering on our hosted stuff, is you're going to go out and do some low tide stuff, some incoming tide stuff, and then you might get up in the creeks for a little while and do some little creek cut fishing. And then when it does flood and it actually gets up in the grass, you're going to pole up onto a flat and you're going to work the flats. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all dictated by those tides of what you can do. Do you all know how tides really work? You know, everybody, everybody says it's by the moon, do you, but do you, did you realize that the moon, the moon's not moving the water to create the tide? Have y'all heard this? The earth's moving. So what it does is, is if you look at the earth and it's round, which it's not technically a perfect circle, the gravitational pull of the, of the moon makes the earth oblong, and there's more water on the out edges of it. Yep. So as the rock of earth, the land mass rotates, mm-hmm. the water's not moving. The rock's moving inside the water, so you're moving from low water to high water as the ro- the the earth rotates. So it's really the earth is moving into the tide. Yeah, it's very weird. Like when you when you, you have to actually see like the, the actual computer concept, image of yeah. it. But yeah, it's like there's more water on the edges here, and as the ro- the earth spins, you spin into high water, and then you spin out of it, and then you spin back into it on this side, and then you spin out. And that's the reason it's every six hours because it's the Where'd rotation of the earth. Where'd you I watch a lot of science stuff. Where at? Discovery. Uh, that was uh, was that on the? That's some a, big brain stuff. It was on a podcast. I can't remember if it was one of Joe Rogan's podcast or if it was another one that I was. You know what? With the with the guy who does all the science stuff, uh, Neil. Oh yeah, Tyson. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I believe he that talks is. about some of that stuff. Yeah. So it's actually really cool to think like it's yeah. it's the rock of Earth, not the water moving, and you're just moving in and out of the the heavy and low water. Yeah, and the, hence the reason that. Because of that oblong, because it's actually the Earth's tilted on its axis. That's the reason in certain parts of the world, the tide is so much greater because there's so much more water gr- there that's from the gravitational pull. Mm. So you know how, like, I think it's uh, it's right there in Canada. I went to it. It's like 34-foot tide. Like, it's a huge difference. It's like the biggest tide in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were and if that's the reason that where it just, like, completely comes out of the bay. Yeah, they've got the reversing rapids yeah. in the river because it goes through the rapids one way and then it's through the rapids back the other. So Yeah, that's wild. Um, anywho, yeah. yeah it's it's crazy how tides work. <clears throat> that's interesting. So yeah. South Carolina, that the low country, has one of the most drastic tides there is. Um, you know, you'll hear them called king tides, but in the fly fishing world they call it reds on flood tides. Um and it's, it's something to see. I mean, when you see all that water start just piling in, and you're like, man, two hours ago I was sitting out in this channel looking at a mud bank, and then all of a sudden you're up in that grass, you know, that was five feet above yeah, where yeah. you were. It's it's in a boat. In a boat, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, y'all ever when y'all were down there doing it, seen somebody stuck that didn't plan the tide right? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. How'd that work out, Hunter? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we uh, Bryant sent me a video uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was a nice like twin screw center console had come just ripping up intercoastal, and there was a bar 
and the dude just beached it on mm. an outgoing tide. And Bryant's like, see you in 12 hours, bud. Yeah. Because there ain't no pushing that off. Um, but, yeah, it's um, – and, I mean, me and Justin have been on the boat with him before, and, like, we'll start pushing up in the grass, and it's like, hey, there just ain't quite enough water yet. But those skiffs, that Floyd skiff that he has, um, runs super, super skinny. I mean, ridiculously skinny. Yeah. And, um, you know, with three grown men and gear and motor and everything else, you're still only drafting six inches. Yeah. That's with a Volkswagen in his boat. Yeah, me and Justin together. We we always <laughs> joke when we call him and say, hey, man, the Volkswagen's coming. Get, eat your Wheaties tomorrow. Because <laughs> um, he's got to pull us around. And, I mean, it, I've had the wind blowing so bad up there that, like, I'll be standing up on the bow and I'll just crouch down because I'm just a sail. Yeah. Up there, just catching wind, and if he's fighting the wind super hard, I'll just kneel down on the bow yeah. and and just kind of let him get the boat reoriented. But um, yeah, man, redfish, redfish and flood tides is so for the trip. We're we're kind of let's go through like what we're thinking about doing as far as setup because we talked about having Nikolai yeah. as a trained yeah. chef cook. So and for travel wise, this is going to be on the more affordable side hopefully uh for most people uh we're looking at thirty six hundred dollars for dual occupancy uh if you want a single occupancy add another 500 and with that is you know we'll have a rental vehicle down there we'll take you to the ramp every day drop you off with your guide um lunch will be provided on the boat um it'll be two guided two full days of guided fishing um, and then for food, Nikolai, who is our shop manager here in Silva, is like a Michelin star trained chef. Like, I mean, he's he's like up there with his food preparation. Yeah, stuff. he's good. And um, so he's going to be tagging along on the trip with us, and he is going to be providing gourmet meals in the afternoons uh, when you get off the boat, looking at having some charcuterie boards and some wine and, you know, stuff like that at the house when you get back. And, um you know, just having a really good experience, hopefully just that fellowship of fishing at the house when we get back. Everybody hangs out and has a good time. And then uh, that's the part that excites me is the food. I think everybody it has. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Food. Yeah. I mean, I guess clearly. Just, you just look at us, obviously. <laughs> too, <that's, laughs> he, he built out a uh, menu. Yeah. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he built out a menu of a attentive menu for us to do while we're down there. And it's like, man, some of the stuff he's looking at making is just yeah. phenomenal. Sounds so good. Like I'm some local fare. Yeah. Like he and I would go down turf. a day early and just go to hit the local markets yeah. and, and get some fresh seafood from the low country. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is awesome. You know, one thing in the fall is you'll be able to get fresh shrimp. Mm-hmm. So shrimp, scrimp. Get you some scrimp. Oh, baby. It's falling. Things falling again. But, uh, but yeah, so 3,600 um, to go down. And that's two full days of guided fishing on the skiff. Uh, and it includes all your alcohol, all your food, and your lodging, along yeah. with you have to get down there. But once you get down there, we'll ride you around, take you to the ramps. and Yeah, so you just be still just have to get your. South Carolina fishing license and actually no. down there you don't you don't um, oh no. if you're with a guide yeah. you don't that's right yeah. that's the um, license. <coughs> you fish on the, the North Carolina coast yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just maritime now it is um, um, 
So and then yeah. any tip that you want to give the yep, gratuity, gratuity is not included uh, to your guide. Um, and you know these guys. One thing that's a stark contrast from what we do versus what they do. Um, I've had a lot of people that have went down and fished and like, man, it's so expensive to fish in saltwater. But what they don't realize is, is that's a seventy-five thousand dollar boat and yeah. you got fuel, fuel upkeep. I mean. Brian, I couldn't tell you how many times I've called him and he's in his garage tearing down his jack plate because it's like, hey, I got a trip tomorrow and I've got to have this right. You yeah. Know? And, uh, you know, one thing that I look at as a guide is the the foot they put forward, you know, of professionalism. And Brian's one of the most professional guys I've ever – he has a system. He does it the same way every time. I really like how he does things. And, uh, you know – Going down, we had talked about doing a packing list for, you know, Charleston to go fish. And, um, you know, obviously it's like any other guide. They'll provide rods if you want to. But, you know, primarily sevens and eight weights. And he, I've seen him with nine and tens. But, um, you know, come see us. We can kind of help you pick out a nice saltwater setup because what really sold me on that was I bought a quote-unquote saltwater setup but then I turn around and fish it here for my streamer setup, for my smallmouth, mm-hmm. you know, even like a big trout rod. Like I've caught some pretty good sized brown trout on my seven weight that still fight hard. And that seven just gives me the opportunity to throw bigger sink lines and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're looking in the market for a bigger rod that, you could not only use down in Charleston to go redfish, but you could also use it here. It's a great way to have like a dual purpose, a reasoning yeah. for a dual purpose rod. And, um, Aren't we offering something for people who book these trips? Like a, or is that? That was the classes. No, no. Typically, you know, if you do book this trip, if you book a travel trip in general, yeah, you're going to get 10% off in the shop. All for, I didn't know if we were supposed to say that or not. For the, for purchases towards that trip. Yeah. Yep. So if you need that saltwater rod, real, whatever. Another thing that a lot of people overlook with travel, too, is luggage, bags, you know, the little stuff that you don't really think about. And, you know, Fish Pond, Sims, Orvis, all these companies make fantastic products to uh, help you travel. And helping you travel, meaning just organization, waterproof bags, stuff like that. I know when y'all were down in Argentina, y'all stuff got thrown on the back of a Hilux and then you drove to camp, you know. Three hours on a dirt road. Yeah, waterproof and dustproof. Those bags yeah. go a long way Yep, of keeping your stuff clean, dry, yeah. you know, and, and that just adds to the overall comfort and experience. And, um, you know, when we were in Wyoming, um, gear is of the utmost importance when you're out hiking and, 30 miles back country, it goes a long way to spend the money on the gear to be comfortable. Because the more comfortable you are, the longer you're going to be in the water. Everything had a, like a three inch like layer of dust on it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally everything. Literally everything. Yeah. Yeah. At least you don't have to worry about that on this trip. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, definitely, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, you're not necessarily, you're not out there, you're not back country until you're on the boat. No, you know, you're, so you're always, yeah, yeah it, it's posh. You're always close to comforts, um, especially when you're off the water. Oh, you're yeah. back at the back at the lodge, and Nikolai's got a charcuterie set up for you, 
and uh, some beverages. Yeah. So I that's just, that's just always a nice finish on the day. I was just gonna say, like you people <clears throat> may hear this and think, man, thirty six hundred dollars for that. That seems steep. Well, if you go look at over two thousand of that by itself is a two gaze of guiding on the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you went to do it yourself. And go stay in Mount Pleasant. Go stay in Mount Pleasant under under two hundred and fifty dollars a night. Yeah. And you let me you know, before you fed yourself. Before you fed yourself, you know, before you yep. Yeah. So I mean go to Charleston Crab House, find you a nice Airbnb centrally located, and then pay for two days of guiding plus your gas. And and then come back and see how much you think thirty six hundred is. Yeah, it's it's a lot better deal than I mean I th- I just this is me you know saying like don't you know don't don't be sticker shocked by this. This is a better deal than you think. Yeah. So we need to be forty five hundred. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the three day option. That's what I just That's heard. Three day option. <laughs> but I mean we you know when, when I built this trip out and started pricing stuff like we wanted to be reasonable because i want people to to enjoy this and be able to go experience this you know down and what i've come to love um absolutely love the low country and it's i've done red eye trips down there like i'll literally wake up at 2 a.m drive down get on the skiff fish all day get off and drive home and um when you hit 40 let me know if you're still doing that i ain't that far off (laughs) um I mean, me and me and Logan just done it to, to the Outer Banks, but uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun, man. It's it's just a special place, a unique place. Um, it's somewhere that you you get experiences down there that you really can't get any other place. Yeah, but I'm sure just even just being in the Low Country, out away from people, you see plenty of wildlife too. Oh, dude, it, it's funny. Uh, every time I've been down there, and I think Justin will be polling through a grass flat, and you'll come up on a little island, and then all of a sudden you got whitetail running out on the grass <laughs> flat in the water. That's cool. It's like splashing through, and you have eagles coming through, and so dolphins. Think, yeah, so I think in, I think is our October trip. Yeah, like I photographed or videoed just like while we were just like moving from spot to spot, or just like waiting to see like a tailing fish or something. You know, we saw like a deer. A bald eagle, a blue herring, a uh, a black skimmer. It's like a little mm-hmm. bird that kind of comes in and like skims across the water with its beak. And it's like a creative gets, name. Yep. And then <laughs> that's what they call it. I don't know. <laughs> you know. And then all your waterfowl. There's yeah, waterfowl rants, down there. Yeah. yeah. Marsh hens. Like you'll be pulling through the grass, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you'll kick up marsh hens, and you'll that's see cool. cormorants really cool coming through, and. Um, in the fall, you start really getting some of the migration, the early migration of some of the ducks. And, mm-hmm. You know, just the waterfowl down there is crazy. And um, <clears throat> But the deer always blow my mind yeah. because this past year we were down there and we saw a little six-point, like, standing on the edge of the, the island. It's just like a 100-yard long by 200 yards wide island. Yeah. And uh, this little six-point, this little basket rack six comes out, and I'm like, oh, that's a pretty deer, you know, a young deer. And Bryant was like, no, that's probably an older deer. Mm-hmm. And what it is is down there it's so thick mm-hmm. that the deer have genetically changed to where their racks don't get oh, as wide yeah. so they don't get hung up in that underbrush. That makes sense. So they're like huge-bodied deer. Yeah. They're eating well, but their racks just don't get as wide and tall. They're a lot tighter. And um, 
you know, I think I've I, almost every time I've went down in the fall, I've seen deer. Yeah. So how yeah. much? Um, you know, obviously, fish don't know borders. And North Carolina coast, you know, we we've got similar habitat in many of our areas to what South Carolina has. Maybe right. maybe not the vast acreage of low country like they have. Um, but what what do you think it is that has created this environment? So where they have so many more redfish than North Carolina. So South Carolina DNR has done a good job at regulating Mm-hmm. They're redfish. Um, and the one thing that the South Carolina low country itself has that um, even Georgia and North Carolina don't have even on either side is the massive grass flats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in North Carolina, I got a friend of mine who uh, he uh, guides duck hunting down there. And in the summer, he does charters for bull reds on gear. Mm-hmm. And what happens is is those bigger reds will move up into the North Carolina estuaries and they just lay deep. Okay. They don't get up in the grass like they do down there. Uh kind of like Louisiana. Um Louisiana is a well, well known red yeah. fishery. Um, but they don't they don't necessarily tail as often as they do. Now, is there a potential to roll up on a flat in North Carolina and see a tailing redfish? Yes. It's just it seems to be a lot more common. Right in that South Carolina low country than it is in Georgia and uh, North Carolina. Yeah, the reason I always hear about, um, especially when I go to Outer Banks surf fishing, the the dispute between recreational anglers and um, and this is a whole other can of worms probably, but rec- recreational anglers and commercial. Right. You know, we've got all these. You know, North Carolina has a two week flounder season. Yeah, and you only keep one. Yeah, and and. But if you're a commercial angler, you can pretty much whatever you pull up in your net, yeah, take um, without limit. So it it seems it does seem super unfair, um, and I know it's jobs and there's there's all kinds of money behind it and everything. But which is why I say it's it's a whole nother whole nother can of worms. But I think that matters. I think yeah. it has generational impacts. It does. I mean, South Carolina probably made these changes twenty years ago mm-hmm. that are creating this habitat now well florida and georgia have been fighting it for yeah. a couple couple of years i know of um there's a guy on youtube that i follow that fishes uh texas florida and georgia quite a bit mm-hmm. and um there he'd done a podcast with some guys who had like they're petitioning like georgia dnr to change redfish regulations yeah. to where they can't keep as many and I think what it boils down to as well is, you know, South Carolina has really marketed that, you know, redfish on the fly. Yeah. And we as fly fishermen are typically catching release, and we're catching and releasing, and they're not keeping a lot of those slot reds that yeah. could have been kept. And South Carolina is also just a vast estuary that is really good for juvenile reds. Yeah. Um, and that's why – you know, down there in South Carolina, high 20s, low 30s, that's a really, really good redfish. Whereas you can go up North Carolina or down Louisiana, you can catch them as big as 50, 60. Mm-hmm. But they're much, much harder to target on a mm-hmm. fly. And, um, you know, it's just – and it's in our backyard, man. Yeah, I you mean, don't need a passport. No. I mean, I can drive four hours to Charleston 
yeah from where i'm sitting right here and be on a skiff red fishing yeah i don't have to drive 12 14 15 hours to somewhere to go fish and right. do this and um it's just uh and justin man justin's the one who really opened my eyes to it initially and really got me hyped up about it and you know uh, it's how it, good do you have to be though like, what if you're a beginner, you've never done this before? Are you going to be successful? You you have to know how to double haul. Yeah. Okay. I feel like you have to <clears throat> be able to double haul a little bit. Double yeah. haul being? The cast. The okay. cast, yeah. Being able to so, pick line up, haul, to be, depending, on, depending on how, if we're fishing a flood or you're fishing low tide, this goes like any salt water. Yeah. You have to be able to make effective shots like 30 to 70 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the 70, 80 feet shots are a lot less. far between, yeah. yeah. Yeah, most of them are 30 to 50. Yeah. But I would even say 20, 25 to 50. Yeah. Um, you know. And we say this like, and I, I'm, I've been doing this. I've been going after redfish now. I'm fishing salt since 2014, 2015. And I still blow shots every time I go, so yeah. don't feel like <laughs> we have it figured out. Well, so. and if 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 you book this and and you need help learning this stuff, this is this is something obviously we can connect you with uh, yeah. one of our guides. Bobby is a great instructor on double hauls. Man, you've got a great double haul cast. You got a you got a great double haul, Bobby. That doesn't mean I can hit the frisbee. <laughs> so one thing <laughs> I started doing um, after my first redfish trip, getting ready for my second. I literally took a tape measure out in my yard, and I measured off 30, 40, 50 feet, and I laid just paper plates down with a rock. And I took a fly, like a clouser, clipped it at the shank. That way, Because one thing that a lot of people will go practice with is just a fly line with a leader or just a straight fly line, and they'll get very comfortable and confident casting that fly line. But when you add that weight at the end and that hinge point, it changes your cast stroke completely. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I started videoing myself, and one thing I noticed when I was videoing myself, I'm dropping my rod and my back cast way too far. Mm-hmm. So I started, like, mentally making myself stop no further back than, like, 1 o'clock. Yeah. And if I try to do 1 o'clock and I hit 2 o'clock, I can get away with it. And then just adding the hauls at the right time. Um, you know, and when we say haul, um, you know, we're, we're just audio right now, but just envision your left hand working independently of your right hand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the hardest thing for people to oh, it is. get tough. used to. It takes a while. And then, a little you know, coordination needed. Yeah, so when you're when you're doing your, your back cast haul, as you're coming up and your rod gets to that 1 o'clock point, your left hand is going to your, po- your left pocket. And that is super speeding your line to allow you to gain more speed off of your line and then as you, that line straightens out in the back and you pause, the pause is very important. And as you're bringing it forward, your hands are back together at this point. And as your rod comes forward, you're adding that front haul, that's that second haul where the double haul comes from. And it's speeding that line up again coming from behind you now to lay that fly out where you want it to be. And where you finish that rod is ideally where you want your fly to be. And if you time everything correctly – you're very accurate with that. So it's um like I said, I thought I could cast <laughs> before we went out there and I I can I can cast with the best of them from a 2 weight to a 5 weight, but 
when I started getting those big rods, it was a lot different. Best way to practice for saltwater, I think, is is stand on a pitcher's mound and cast a third, second, first, and home, right? Like yep. cast on. But do practice a water hall where you're picking up and you're casting to first base from third base. Yep. And then back to second base. And then now you got to hit home plate and you got to water haul up and lay it down. Because then it gets you used to somebody calling out. Change hey, direction. Yes, changing the direction of your cast. So it's a great way to just get – and you're not really – Pitcher's mound to third base really isn't that far, but it's far enough that you can learn how to do it, and then you start increasing the distance. And it's a great way to just kind of get that change up. And yeah, you need to learn how to water haul, single haul, and double haul. Like, all three are important. Yep. So, and they all make you a better trout fisherman, too. 100%. They will. Absolutely. And, you know, if somebody's interested in doing this saltwater trip with me, and it's like, man, I really need to practice, give me a call at the shop, tell them you want to fish with me, or call me, email me directly. And uh, smallmouth. Is a great way to sharpen up on casting streamers and bigger odds. I was about to say, just come smallmouth fish with us. Yeah, um, fantastic way to get out and get some practice in and knock the rust off. And um, you know, because even smallmouth fishing—that's one thing I've adopted from Bryant—is using the bow of my boat as my clock. The bow of my boat's always twelve, no matter which way I'm pointed. And if I say three o'clock, you know, nine o'clock, whatever, then you kind of can orient your cast where you need to be. So if I say, you know, you're standing on the bow with a streamer rod and, and I see a bass roll on the bank at 2 o'clock and I say 2 o'clock, 30 feet on the bank, then you turn and you make that cast even if you didn't see it. You should really confuse them. you like, 1,400. It's at 1,400. <laughs> Just kidding. It was a muskrat. Yeah. Some. It's an otter. <laughs> but, yeah, so – well, that's awesome, man. Um, what is the uh, best way to get a hold of you, Matt? Uh, you can call the shop and ask to speak to me, but probably the quickest way to get a hold of me would be my email, which is matt, M-A-T-T, at info at tuckfly, or at tuckflyshop.com. So matt at tuckflyshop.com. Yeah. Not yeah. info. He was blending yeah, I, two emails. I got that info I got at tuckflyshop at gmail. Yeah. Heck, I can't remember our website. Email half the time. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Say. I've got like six <laughs> emails right now. So I'm terrible at it. So. Yep. Um, well, folks, uh, take a look at um, tuckflyshop.com slash travel uh, for more information and, and a little bit more on, on the redfish trip. And then uh, you can certainly email Matt, like he said, and he can kind of get you a better itinerary of what to expect and things like that. Um, $3,600, 50% deposit to get the reservation. We'll have more solid dates out to you soon, um, for this fall, early winter. And, um, yeah, look forward to getting out on the water with you guys. Um, I, I want to do this trip. I That's mean, personally, I, 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 I want to go. The four of us just need to go down there and just, that'd fish be a it. lot of fun. I've, I've never, I've, I've fished for tarpon, um, but I've, I've never, uh, um, Never redfished, so I'd, I'd love to give us a shot. So. Well, and that's another great thing about South Carolina Coast is Bryant and them jumped like a 110-pound tarpon this year. Woo! So, they're there. That's awesome. Well, hey, all hearts and minds clear? Yes, sir. All right, until next time. Thank you. See you on YouTube. See you. That wraps up another episode of the TuckCast with a splash of bourbon. For more content, visit Tuckasegee Fly Shop's YouTube channel for instructional how-tos, reviews, and more. For fly fishing articles, check out Tuckasegee Fly Shop's blog at tuckflyshop.com. Thanks for listening. 
Tylons.